listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. again about a classic Christmas. A classic Christmas. And today we're going to talk about the great setup. Say that with me, the great setup. We're going to talk about the greatest setup the world has ever seen. And this year, once again, we chose to focus on the true meaning of Christmas. Not that we haven't in times past, but we've gone back to the Christmas story. We're presenting or presenting to you the classic Christmas, the reason for the season. Because if there was no Christ, there could not be, there would not be Christmas. It's all about Him. And unfortunately, it hasn't been so lately. It's about everything else many times now instead of being about him. So over the course of this series, we've been looking once again at the Christmas story. We're taking it piece by piece, experiencing again the awe and the wonder of it and the application that it can possess. You see, the Bible says that it's alive and it's living. Do you know that? The Bible, the Word of God, is alive and living. So if it's alive and living, it means it wants to be an action in our lives. It can change our lives. So even when we read the stories that we read of in the Bible, those stories can come alive inside of us, that we can learn from them, we can draw strength and hope from them, that we can see life application. And I really believe that we have seen already in the Christmas story some incredible life application, the fact that we're favored and chosen, and that what it means in our lives to have the favor and choice, because it's not just history. History is past tense. Come on, it's something that has happened, but we're talking about His Story, Come on, his story, his story that wants to still be alive inside of us. So we talked last week about how the favor and the choice of God is upon your life. I like what Megan said again today. I'm not perfect, she said. And we can all say amen to that for you, Megan, because we can say amen to that for our lives. Come on, we're not perfect. And thank God it wasn't perfection he was looking for because he would have no one. I don't care how perfect you think you are, just hang around with us for a few moments and we'll find some faults with you because we've all got them. So we're not perfect, but yet we're still favored and chosen. God still desires to use us, but something we discover too through God's word is when he uses us, he changes us. And he does something inside of each one of our lives. On Wednesday night, we looked at Mary's story, or the Magnificent, as it is being called. Her rap, her story that she wrote, really talking about the promise of Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just a title, oh, I'm God with you. He promises to be all of those things. And on Wednesday, we discovered the promises that God, Emmanuel, wants to be in our lives. Seven great truths. So please, if you missed Sunday, if you missed Wednesday, it's on the website. You can listen to it through podcast. Or please, please, 
grab a CD and listen to the message. So today we're going to talk about the greatest setup that this world has ever seen. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, as we continue to read the Christmas story. Reading less scripture than last week, but yet still the power of the Word of God is still alive. Read with me. Luke 2, verse 1 through 7 says, Now it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with his wife or with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed her for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in an inn. Come on, say with me the greatest setup. Come on, say it with me, the greatest setup. What we have just read, I believe, is the greatest setup ever. Have you ever been set up by someone? Think about it. You've been set up for someone and you had people arrange things and plan things and do things that you were totally unaware of and you just show up and everyone jumps out and says, surprise, happy birthday. Anyone ever been set up with a surprise birthday party? Come on, the older you get, you've got to watch the surprises you give because you may have a surprise as they drop dead with a heart attack or something. But, you know, maybe you've been set up. Anyone ever been set up on a blind date from someone? Come on, and when you saw the date, you wished you were blind. Did I just say that out loud? I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. But, you know, being set up, we've been set up from people. Ever been set up from people? You've seen the shows on TV, showing my age now, but remember Candid Camera, how they would set up people? I think it's like True TV now or just something like that. They set people up, they give them something crazy, they look at their response, and then they say, see that person over there? That's a camera behind that wall there, and you're on TV, so what do you think about that? A lot of the time they have to beep out what they really think about that. Because setups, a lot of times, are not always the best thing for us. They shock us. We're like, what's going on? Because we are control freaks. We like to control our lives. We like to control what's happening, or at least we like to think we are many times. But we've all been involved in a setup. And what we just read there from Luke was a great setup. And I want to show you something today. Listen to me today. This is so key. Look at this point. I want to show you today. How God can use the circumstances out of what? Our control. The circumstances out of your control to establish what? His plan and His purpose for your life. Let me say that one more time. I want to show you today how God can use circumstances out of your control. When you're fired by your job. Come on, when your husband walks out and says, I don't want to be married anymore. Come on, when your children walk away from God and they say, I'm done, I'm through with all this. When you discover there's a sickness in your life that if God doesn't work a miracle, come on, it could be fatal, it could take you under. We're talking today how God can use the circumstances out of our control 
to establish his plan for our lives. Notice the key word there that God can use. God doesn't create all those circumstances. We've got good at creating. God's the creator, not us. When we start to create, we make a mess by the wrong decisions and the choices. But even if we're in circumstances because of our doing, I want to tell you something today and give you hope. God can still turn them around for good. Because the Bible tells us that what even Satan means, and he wants to destroy your life, I don't think you woke up this morning and said, I want to destroy my life with the decisions I make. But the decisions I make many times can lead to destruction in my life. But there's one that wakes up every day saying, I'm going to destroy Reggie today. I'm going to destroy Sherry. I'm going to take him out. That's the devil. He's the thief. He wants to kill, steal and destroy. And he wants to come. But God says what? Even what Satan, the one who wants to destroy your life, plans for your life. God says what? I can turn it all around. I can turn it around for good, turn it around for God, for my plan, for my purpose. So I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in tough circumstances because of your silly decisions. Maybe you're in tough places because it's nothing to do with you. Wherever you find yourself in the tough circumstance, I want to tell you today, you're set up for God to do something in your life. You're set up for God's plan and His promise to be fulfilled in your life. I want to talk today about how our lives can be set up for good by God, by the things that appear to be tough times. When we talk about tough there, I know tough represents many experiences. If you were to talk today, maybe about your experiences, where you're at right now, we heard about Pete and Molly's financially. It's been a tough experience, but how God can set you up for his plan, for his preparation, because God has a plan. God has a plan. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I love this scripture. Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think of you. Really, when you look at it, and most translations, I believe, translate it better than what it is in the King James and the New King James because God's thoughts are not passive, they're active. So therefore, they're a plan. So a better translation would be, I know the plans that I have for you. God says, the thoughts I think towards you are a plan. And what is the plan? The plan is for peace, not for evil. The plan is to give you a future, notice this, and to give you a hope. God doesn't spell it all out there. God doesn't tell us how we're going to get there. God doesn't tell us what we're maybe going to have to overcome on the, in the process of it all. But God tells us, guess what? I've got peace for you. I've got a future for you. And I've got a hope. Are you with me today? God doesn't spell out the struggles and the trials you may have to go through to get there. But God says, if you'll just trust me through every circumstance and situation, I can take all those things and I can turn turn them around, and I can work them for my good. You see why? Because the focus has to be placed on Him. If God told us all the struggles we were going to face, you know where our focus would be? On the struggles. We would be waiting for those struggles. We'd be anticipating them. And even when we anticipate them, you know what it's like? You know someone's going to scare you. Have you ever been in a situation where you know someone's going to scare you, but yet you come around the corner and you still freak out when they walk around the corner? You're like, man, I was expecting that too. And man, you still got me. What's up with that? But you see, that's how we can live in our lives. If God said to us, okay, there's a promise for you. But before we get there, don't focus on that because you're going to have to go through this. What would we do? Our whole lives would be consumed with concern about what would happen or what's going to happen in those situations. Can you see that God says, just trust me? 
I've got a plan for hope. I've got a plan for peace. It's not the struggles, but God wants to give us hope through the struggles. Remember Jesus turned to his disciples one day. In fact, Sam read the latter part of the story today. He said he left a crowd and he went to see the one who was the crazy man. And God said to his disciples, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. He forgot to tell them, I think, something pretty important. What is that? He didn't tell them they were going to have a storm in the middle. Come on, I, I want to know these things. Anyone with me with stuff like this? I, I, in my natural ability, I want to know these things. But God said to them these words, we're going to make it to the other side. Let's go to the other side. And that's where our faith has got to be. Our faith is not in the trials and the tribulations. But our faith is in the God who can bring us through. Come on, the great setup, the great setup. What we just read in Luke is that one day Caesar Augustus woke up and he had an idea. He said, here's what we're going to do. Everyone needs to go to their homeland and they need to be registered. He's thinking to himself, man, what a great idea. More taxes for me, all these things. But I wonder really if that was his idea. I wonder if that really was his idea or if maybe God had... A part to do with that. So this census or registration was taken to aid military conscription or for tax collection. The Jews of that day did not have to serve in the Roman army, but if they didn't serve, they still had to pay taxes. So it was the opportunity for them to know everyone so they could get every penny they needed from every person. But this decree went out in God's perfect timing. And according to God's perfect plan. Why? Because God set it all up so that Joseph and Mary could be in the right place at the right time. So our Savior could be born. Let me say that one more time. God set it up so Joseph and Mary were in the right place at the right time. So his son could come into the world. Can you picture how Mary must have felt about this? We're going to talk about that more in a moment. But through that decree, a census, a registration, we see God's hand upon history. It meant that Jesus was born in the very town prophesied for being his birth. Look what it says in Micah 5 verse 2. It says, but you Bethlehem. Very specific. This is some five to seven hundred. This is about seven hundred years. This is written seven hundred years before the birth of Christ. And Micah would write these words, but you Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. What was Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's the bread of life. All symbolic of this moment that was going to be set up in history. But you Bethlehem. Ephrathiah or whatever it is. That's the parish. That's the, ca- that's the region, the county right there. It says, though you are little amongst the thousands of Judah, all the different parishes, you're just the littlest out of all the thousands of them. Yet of you shall come forth to me, the one to be the ruler of Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. Think about that. What a great setup. And no matter what Satan tried to do in that 700 years period after that, he could not stop and he cannot stop. The plan of God. It's amazing, I think, how different our perspective of life can be compared to God's. 
Come on, how different our perspective of life can be to God's. Because we see the questions, we see the doubts, the fears, the failures, the hardships. That's what we see. But we need to see today as part of God's plan. It's part of God's great setup to take us, to do something inside of us that will never be the same. Come on, say with me today, I need to get this. We need to get this. You need to stay with me today because we're going to get this. I want to give you three key points today that I really believe is going to help you in your life each and every day. Point number one, when we do God's will, we are not guaranteed it will always be comfortable. When we do God's will, we are not guaranteed it will always be comfortable. We're not guaranteed a smooth sailing. It's going to be some rough times. Look at Mary. I mean, that's the story we're talking about. Look at poor Mary. She's already still dealing with what's happened to her. I mean, an angel shows up and says, BTW, you're going to have a baby and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. It's nothing to do with Joseph. It's all about God. You're chosen. You're favored. Don't be afraid. Elizabeth, she's dealing with all this process of stuff and she's still not fully understanding it all. You've got to understand that, okay? She's not grasping it completely, but what does she do? She's trusting God through it. She said, okay, God, let me be your handmaiden. Whatever you say, God, I believe you're going to bring it to pass in my life. And now there's a course of time that's gone and Mary's about to burst. Come on, she's about to give birth. She's uncomfortable. It's a tough time for her. And Joseph goes in, says, oh, by the way, Mary, and pack your bags because we're going on a journey. The only journey Mary's thinking about going to is the local hospital. Come on, I've got my little pack. No, no, you've got to pack more than an overnight bag. This is going to be a long time. We've got to go to Bethlehem to be registered. Bethlehem wasn't just jumping in a car, putting your seatbelt on, turning the AC up, and you're there in 10 minutes. Bethlehem wasn't going to the local airport and flying on a plane with no stress or strain and you just get there. Bethlehem was a three-day, 90-mile journey on the back of a donkey. Not very comfortable. I don't think Mary was happy to make a journey like that. Anyone agree with me? I don't think she was jumping up for joy and said, Ooh, good, I've been praying that we can go. I remember just, it's fresh for us. Kelly Judah is just 10 weeks old tomorrow and it's still fresh for us. But I remember what it was towards the end, how Kelly got so uncomfortable every day just to try and get up out of the couch. Someone had to pull her up because it was just uncomfortable to go shopping. It was a challenge to go. I used to take her and put her in one of the wheelchairs. She hated that, but I put her in a wheelchair and wheeled her around Walmart and she absolutely hated it. But she needed that because it was a struggle for her to walk her feet would swell. Her back would ache. And she didn't even come close to riding a donkey for three days. But it was tough. It was tough. And this may be a small observation to you, especially you men, but all the ladies in here realize this is big. It's big. So I'm sure Mary thought something like this. I'm sure Mary said these words, but God, it's not supposed to be like this. God, it's not supposed to, this isn't part of what I signed up for. I mean, come on, get real. Some of you are looking at me like, you can talk to God like that. You better believe you can talk to God like that. Because it's about time we start being truthful with God because the Bible says that He listens to those who are truthful and He responds to them. Too many of us lie to God and He's not even interested in dealing with us. 
So I'm thinking Mary's saying, man, it's not supposed to be like that. I wonder if you've ever asked a question like that or if you've ever said words like this. Come on, God, I've trusted in you. God, I've given my life to you. This is not comfortable, God. This is not what I signed up for. Come on, I'm preaching for someone in the house today. Come on, this isn't what I looked for. This isn't what I believed was going to happen in my life. So I'm sure she said to Joseph something like this. Joseph, I can't do this. I'm sure she said that. Joseph, there's no way humanly possible I can do this. She probably even said it a step further. Joseph, I'm through with this. I don't think I can do it anymore. Can you see how the circumstances of life can so easily make us want to give up on the promises of God? The darker the night means the brighter the light can shine. But for many times, it seems to envelop us. It seems to override us and destroy our life. Joseph's reply to Mary is this, but Mary, sweetheart, we've got no choice. I'm sorry, I don't want to do this to you. It's not my plan, but I'm not going to leave you here. I can't leave you. You've got to come. But Mary, I'll be there with you. Mary, we can do this together. Mary, I went to the store and I bought an extra pillow. Come on, I I fluffed it up a little bit. Hopefully the ride is not going to be as bad and and I'll I'll stop at every rest area on the way. We'll take our time. We're not going to break any records. Sure, Joseph looked at her in the eyes and says, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. But all the time, Joseph is still thinking these things. I don't understand this. He's given hope to Mary, but yet I'm sure in his mind he's still saying, I don't understand this too. This could not be the worst possible timing of this situation to take place. Mary and Joseph didn't see it, but it was all part of God's great setup. Mary and Joseph didn't see it, but God had it perfectly scripted. I wonder how many of you are undergoing a long donkey ride right now. I wonder how many of you are bouncing up and down on top of a donkey right now and it's a struggle and it's a strain and you're saying, God, I don't understand this. The circumstances aren't right. I'm telling you right now, just keep riding. Just keep trusting. The promises of God are there. He's going to set you up. He's setting you up. The circumstances and the hardship are taking you to the place where God wants you to be. Look at Rena's story. Just Rena in our house. What a ride she's been on the last six months. Having a husband taken from her in the prime of her life, 39 years of age, went into hospital on Friday, passed away Sunday night. How horrific. Left widowed with five kids. I'm sure there's many times she said, but God, it's not supposed to be like this. But God, why? Why did you take my husband? Why did you leave me alone? It's not supposed to be like this. This isn't what I signed up for. I don't have the answers to all those whys, but one thing I do know is this. God's still got a plan. God's still got a purpose. And as long as there's breath in our bodies, He hasn't finished with us yet. 
To make matters worse for Mary and Joseph, by the time they arrive, it took them longer than they thought. They get there and everywhere they go, they say, no room, sorry, we're full, there's no vacancies. But please, my wife's pregnant, she's about to have a baby, sorry, there's no room, there's no room, there's no room. Finally, someone has compassion on them and says, you can use my stable, maybe a cave that was carved into the side of a mountain. You can go there, that's all I can give to you, that's all I can offer you. Can you see again Mary and Joseph? I'm trying to paint a picture. I know I'm taking a long time. But can you see they're thinking again, man, God, if we have to do this journey, you could at least give us the penthouse suite when we got there. A stable? It stinks in here. It's cold in here. It's dark. It's dreary. Listen to me. Just because you don't see God at work doesn't mean God's not working. Just because you don't see God at work doesn't mean he's not working. In fact, some of the greatest things God can ever do in your life are the things that you don't see because he's doing them beneath the surface. He's building a root structure and a foundation that when you begin to see it, there's some stability that you can have, that you can have growth in your life. Look what James, the brother of Jesus, writes in James 1, verse 2 through 4. He says, my brethren, my sisters, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials and other things, when things don't go your way. I like what the New Living Translation says. Whenever troubles come your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. I don't always feel like that. I don't always throw my hands in there and say, Oh, what a great opportunity. I'm one of those people who says, but why God? I'm trusting you. I'm living for you. The circumstances out of my control are not looking good. God, I don't even see you in this situation. But notice what James says, when you fall into various trials. I never fell into something by purpose. I've always fallen into things by accident. So what does it mean when the trials of life come by maybe accident sometimes and it's not something that we purpose? James still says that we can count it all joy. Why? Because knowing. Say with me, knowing. That's a massive word that changes everything. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance or perseverance. Verse 4, but let patience. What God is saying when he says, but let patience. He's saying, let what I want to do inside of you. Because God says, now I've got your attention. I didn't have your attention before, but now I do. You see, God has to use some circumstances sometimes to get our attention. To cause us to hit our knees again, to cry out and say, God, I need you because we think life's great and we're just going to keep doing what we want to do. And the Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. Sometimes God has to knock us back to our knees so God can let his patient work begin to surface inside of our lives so he can get our attention so he can begin to do something again. What does he want to do? He wants to do a what? Have its perfect work. A perfecting work. God says that you will be perfect, mature, that you will be complete, that you will be lacking what? Nothing. God says the trials and the tribulations are a setup for me to do something perfect inside of you, that you will lack nothing. God can use the uncomfortable experiences of our lives to do so much more within us than when everything is going well. God can use the darkest moments of our life to produce something that many times we know we wouldn't experience if it wasn't for adversity. Come on, God wants to do a work that we will lack nothing. That's some setup to me. 
And no, James doesn't say if they come. James says when they come. Count it all joy when you fall. Not if you fall, but when you come. So here's the point James trying to say. It's not pretending to be happy when we face pain, but to have a positive outlook. To continue to trust God, knowing He's going to use those things to accomplish something of greatest value inside of us. Listen to me, we will never be the same in a good way if we follow God's way. If we keep trusting God and believing God, come on, times of hardship we want to turn. He wants to turn into times of learning. Tough times can teach us perseverance. It's all part of God's great setup to get us back to following His plan. And his plan is still not always the pathway of least resistance. I don't understand why. Couldn't it have been later? What's going on? Trust me. Trust me, trust me. Here's point number two. Our timing can be off many times. God's timing's not off. Our timing can be off many times. Oh, but it's God's timing that needs to change. No, we need to change. We need to recognize and realize that everything he does, when he does it, is perfect. We don't. What we do is not perfect. What we not, but everything that God does is part of his setup. As we said earlier, this could not have come at a worse time for Mary and Joseph. But it was the exact time in God's timetable. Have you ever said to God, not now? Come on, be real. Have you ever said to God, not now? It's not the right time. This is not what I need to be doing. God, this is not the right time. Because we've got our life all nicely planned out. Everything's in its perfect place. We're going to do this, 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 and, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. And then, bam, all of a sudden, it seems like God just changes everything. God, not now. God, but everything was going so good. My job and circumstances. And God, everything just was turning around. Why? Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. To everything, there is a season. It's a big word there, everything, isn't it? Because everything means everything. You didn't catch that. Everything means everything. Nothing's excluded. The Bible says to everything, in everything, there is a season, a time, a setup. A time for every purpose under heaven. In other words, God has everything set up in a proper time frame. He's got it set up, okay? In God, everything has a proper time. He goes on to say in the next few verses, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up, a time to kill, a time to heal. Different times of seasons in our life. But look what he says in verse 11. But he has, God has made everything beautiful. Say with me, beautiful. Everything beautiful in its time. I want that scripture to stay up there. God says he has made everything beautiful in the right time time. Not always according to our time, but according to his time. Our lives, each one of our lives are made up of seasons, just like in the natural. We have four seasons. We have what? We have spring, summer, fall and winter. Someone said this, if you live in Louisiana, you have two seasons. You have summer and Christmas. But there is seasons of life. But here's our tendency And I know I'm not just preaching to myself today. Our tendency is always to want to be in the next season. 
Well, God, and a lot of the times as preachers, I believe we sometimes wrongly preach this. Well, God's got blessings for you. Just keep trusting him. He sure does. But God's got blessings for you right now, too. Because what we fail to do when we always want to be in the next season, we fail to allow God to do what he still wants to do with us in this season. In the natural, summer doesn't come till spring is over. Because if summer came before spring, we wouldn't have any blossom, we wouldn't have any bloom, and then there wouldn't be any fruit at the end of the year. Spring has to come and complete its course so summer can do its thing, and then fall, and then winter. But yet we want to pray our way into new seasons, we want to pray our way into new opportunities, instead of saying, God, I don't maybe like where I'm at right now, but God, you want to do something because my timing is, I want to be over there. But God says, no, I've placed you exactly where you need to be right now so would you just to look up to heaven and would you begin to say God I trust you but would you show me what you want to do in my life right now so often we can miss what God is trying to do inside of us right now what is Mary and Joseph's story I truly believe is our story too When the timing appears to be off, you don't go on a journey three days, 90 miles on a donkey when you're nine months pregnant. That just don't happen. But what appeared to be off was perfect. God had it mapped out to the very last second. God has you right where you're at right now for a reason. And until you start to call that place beautiful, you're never going to go to where God needs to take you. He has made everything beautiful in its time. I want you to see something. We can say, oh yeah, God's going to make it beautiful in its time. We're thinking about out there. I want you to see something today. God wants to make it beautiful right now in this time, in this moment. God wants to do something that, yes, you may be stressed out, but you need to learn to call this time a beautiful moment. You need to begin to seize this opportunity. Why? Because it's part of the setup that God's going to use to take you where you need to go. In his time. In his time. It's not always about someday and in the future. Because it's for right now. Galatians 6 verse 9. Don't have it on the screen. But you know what the Bible says to us? Don't grow weary in doing good. You may not see it right now. You may not see it all. And he uses the thought of sowing and reaping. We want to sow and get a harvest. We want to sow something and get a harvest right away. But there's something that happens between sowing and harvest and it's called timing. Come on now, say that with me, timing. It can be a long period of time. It can be a short period of time. But there's a process in between sowing and reaping. And the Bible says that if we don't lose heart, if we hold on and we keep trusting and keep believing, guess what? We're going to reap and we're going to see the produce. We're going to see the blessing of God. But when it's in my timing, I want it now and I want it here and there. And I can so often miss what God perfectly is doing inside of me. It's for right now. This is your time. If we don't watch, our timing can be so off that we can totally miss what God is trying to do inside of us. We're governed by a 24-hour clock time. We can't stop time. We can't change time, but God's not governed by time. 
God reminds us of that. God says a day to me is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. God says nothing to me. What you think is an eternity, God is saying it's just a moment. It's just a moment. What you think you're never going to break through, God says it's just a moment. It's just a moment. It's just a moment. The older you get, the days seem to get longer, but yet the years seem to get shorter. Come on, the days that you live seem to be longer, but when you look back, I don't know where this year has gone. I've had some long days through this year, and I can remember some of those, but as I look, man, the years are getting shorter and shorter. I remember a professor told me once at Bible college, and I was going through some things in my life. He pulled me aside, and he said these words. He said, God's train is very seldom early, but it's never late. God's train... God showing up, God being right there to pick you up and help you is very seldom early, but it's never late. It's always right on time. We're the ones that's off time. Don't hurry what God is trying to establish inside of you and don't delay what God has spoken in your life. Is this okay for you today? Come on, you're part of a great setup. Come on, high five someone and said you've been set up for greatness. Come on. You've been set up for greatness. Point number three, last point today. We should never limit God by our expectations. We should never limit God by our expectations. Our expectations are what we think should happen. And we'll even take it one step further. How we think they should happen and when we think they should happen. Luke 2 verse 7, may I remind you of this scripture. And she brought forth her firstborn son, And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him where? In a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Here is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Born in a stable. He wasn't born in a palace. But that was because he wasn't that type of king. But the Jewish people of that day wanted him to be born in a palace. You see, that was their expectation. That's what they wanted. That's what needed to happen. If he wasn't going to be born in a palace, he couldn't be the king that could lead them and bring them freedom that they wanted. Their expectation was he had to be this way. It has to be. He has to be born in royal surroundings. But he's born in a stable. As I said earlier, maybe a cave that was carved into a rock. That was what most stables were of that day. And he was placed in a manger, a feeding trough, where the animals would eat out of. Jesus was born in a dark and dirty environment. It's not like the image we see on the Christmas cards today where it looks like the stable is just glowing and there's lights everywhere and the hay's all nice and clean. Have you ever seen a Christmas card with a pile of poop? Nothing in the picture. It's all nice. It's all clean. It's all pretty. It's all pretty in there. It wasn't like that. It was a filthy place. It was a stinky place. It was a dark place. It was a dismal place. Don't allow your expectations of what you think God should do and what you think God should have done to limit God in your life. Don't allow your disappointments and frustrations to limit God. God is at work wherever He is needed. God is at work in a sin-darkened and dirty world. 
But God, I expected this. God, I expected. God, I didn't expect to be divorced. God, I didn't expect for my husband to run out of me. God, I didn't expect for me to lose my job. What about that house? God, I thought that was a gift. I didn't expect those things. Many times to us, God can become more of an ATM machine. He can be a magic wand. He can be a genie in a bottle that we just want him to do all these kind of things that we limit really what he wants to do inside of our lives. Because when he doesn't come through as we think he should, then we think, bad God, not good God. He's not great. He's under par. Come on, God, I thought you were going to give me exceedingly abundantly above all I ask. So if I ask for a car, you're going to give me a Mercedes or a BMW. Because you're not just giving me a car, you're going to be giving me a really good car. Watch for your expectations. This is not what I expected. But I'm telling you today, if you trust him, you will see his perfect plan unfold in your life. Because God hasn't finished with you yet. Let me remind you of this scripture, Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing. What very thing? My expectations? No. I'm not being confident in what I expect because my expectations are going to be disappointment many times. But I can be confident in this very thing that he... What he has done, what he has started, what he has begun is a good work inside of me. And he is going to be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Come on, being confident today of this very thing. I may be disappointed in my expectations, but when I place my confidence in him, he began something that he's going to finish. And when he finishes, it's going to be good. And I may not be finished here on this earth, but one day he's going to finish it. But he's going to continue to perfect me and change me. Come on, it may be uncomfortable today. It may not be on your timetable. It may be different to your expectations. But it's all part of the great setup for God to get you where you need to be. Because he hasn't finished with you yet. The fact that he was born in a stable means that he wasn't born above anyone else. But he truly came for the whosoever. Come on, there's nothing lower. There's nothing more humble than what he came and how he came. Why? Because he came for the world. If he was born in a palace, who would we be able to relate to? But when he came the lowest he could, he came for the whosoever. And we see that in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, everyone, that whosoever, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whosoever believes in him, has an opportunity for life, everlasting life. It was all part of God's perfect plan to bring his son into the world. Mary didn't understand it all. Joseph questioned it. They were tough circumstances, a stable, not even a room, a manger. But why? 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 Because the circumstances and the situations of our life, God is using To bring us to that perfect place. That his perfect plan can be unfolded in your life. One thing I'm trying to learn every day is this. Not to sweat the small stuff. But to trust his perfect plan. You and I are part of the greatest setup this world has ever seen. And God is doing something through the struggles of life. That if you have the right attitude... If you have the right response and you say, God, I still trust you despite it all, 
God's going to produce something. Just like Mary gave birth, new life is going to come forth inside of you. And you're going to not only be hope for your world, you're going to be hope for other people's world. Because men may see your good works, what's happened in your life. And what happens, God gets all the glory and the honor. Because people say, if God can do it for them, I know them. I know what they went through. And if God can do it for them, there's hope for me. Come on, you're part of the great setup. Keep trusting Him. Keep believing. God has not finished with you yet. Stand to your feet. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.